hope you enjoy this message from South City C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. So in just a moment, we have a real treat for you uh, because tonight we don't have just one person speaking. We actually have three. And uh, so we're going to be doing a special three by seven segment tonight. And I'll tell you a little bit about that in just a moment. Um, But before we get into that, I've just got a few notices that I wanted to let you know about. So the first one is about uh, an upcoming young adults event. This is a quiz night that we are hosting this Saturday night. And uh, if you enjoy the subtle feeling of superiority that comes from crushing your enemies in the context of a very friendly quiz night, then this is the event for you. Uh, We'd love to have you join us for an epic night of quiz-related fun, and we invite you to grab a few friends and uh, to form a team. And teams, I think the only ground rule is that teams are allowed to be up to four people. And um, just throwing this out there, if somebody can manage to snag Christian Nielsen on their team, he's amazing at quiz nights, and you'll probably win. So this quiz night is being put on very generously by Nicole Kayser and uh, some members of her connect group. Uh, And so they have put together all these amazing ideas and um, it's going to be a really good time. I'm excited. Anyway, um, the other invitation with that is uh, if you'd like with your team, you can also decide to come dressed up as a theme. So if you want to be 90s or sports team or something... Uh, you can pick a theme and come dressed up as that. So it's going to be a great time. There will be some snacks and some beverages provided, and that is for our young adults. Uh, so there are some uh, some details for this event on our Young Adults Facebook page. Uh, and so if you're a young adult, you want to come along to this, do check that out or uh, flick an email off to me, joshua at southcityc3.org and be happy to get you the details for that. Also, we wanted to let you know that we so appreciate your continued giving uh, during this lockdown period of time when we haven't been able to meet in person at church. Uh, You can continue to give online uh, by pulling out your smartphone, uh, opening your camera app, and scanning this QR code that you see here on your screen now. And uh, that will take you right to our church website that has the details for uh, online banking and also bank transfer type giving if you want to give in that sort of way. Um, You can also just visit our website, southcityc3.org forward slash giving. And we just want to say thank you so much for continuing to give into the amazing work that happens with our church. We couldn't do it without you. So really appreciate you. Also, we have our usual sermon notes for this evening. So each of our preachers have provided a set of notes for you to follow along with their message, uh, each of their messages tonight. So um, I'm going to have a screen come up right now for all the details uh, that you'll need to be able to access that. But you can scan this QR code with your smartphone's camera, or uh, if you just go inside the Uversion Bible app, which is a free app that's available on the um, various app stores. You can download that and um, uh, go to the events section inside that app and you should be able to find tonight's notes there.
And now that that's out of the way, I am so, so excited to introduce to you this segment that we are doing tonight. So if you've tuned in in the past uh, or been a part of our church for a while, you will be perhaps familiar with this thing that we do every so often called a 3 by 7 And what a 3 by 7 is, is we have three members of our community each coming up to share for about seven minutes each. And um, tonight, what our preachers are going to be sharing on is uh, the theme of the night, if you will, is God is dot, dot, dot. Uh, And so it's sort of this exploration of some different aspects of who God is through the eyes of some of the members of our evening service community. And so we have real privilege tonight of having Izzy Coleman uh, is going to be sharing with us, followed by Stuart Morehouse, and then Georgia Fretwell is going to close us out tonight. And so they've got three great talks prepared for you tonight. And so uh, without further ado, let's turn it over to these guys. take a few minutes to consider what it means that God is our comforter. First, God promises his comfort. We see this in Isaiah 61, which Jesus later reads aloud in the synagogue, stating that today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Isaiah 61 says, The Spirit of the Lord God is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour, and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to console the mourners in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and a garment of praise for a spirit of despair. Jesus conveys something similar in Matthew 5 verse 4 as he addresses the crowds in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. From these verses, we can see that God promises his comfort and Jesus presents himself as a fulfilment of that promise. But what does his comfort look like? Two, God's comfort can look like protection and guidance. David helps us to understand this in Psalm 23, verse 4, declaring, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. As a shepherd himself, he would know the use of a rod and a staff, and he uses this imagery to explain God's comfort. The rod was a sturdy wooden stick used as a weapon to fight off animals like lions to protect the defenceless sheep from harm. It was also used as a way to count the sheep to see if any were missing. The staff was a long slender stick with a hook at the top. It was used to direct the flock and if any sheep wandered off or became trapped, the shepherd could gently hook the staff around the sheep's neck and gather it back to safety. Jesus proclaimed, I am the good shepherd. He is the one that guides us and we can be sure that if we wander off, he will gather us back to himself. 
But what did that look like when Jesus went back to be with the Father? How can he be our comforter, protect and guide us when he is not present? These are questions which also trouble the disciples at the Last Supper and which Jesus addressed. 3. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. In John 14, verse 16 to 19, Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. The word advocate used here comes from the Greek parakletos. It means one called alongside, a counsellor or a comforter that is present with us, who lives in us. Jesus said that the Father will give you another advocate. The word for another here implies another of the same kind. The Holy Spirit is like Jesus, for both are God. Jesus had been the one guiding and helping the disciples, but now he would send the Holy Spirit as their guide, counsellor and comforter. Here, the Spirit is described as the Spirit of Truth. He reminds us of what Jesus has taught so that we can depend on his word in the difficult times of life. We can find comfort in the promises of God that hold true in all circumstances. 4. God's comfort is to be shared. The Spirit, the Parakletos, is how Jesus keeps his promise to us to always be with us as the God of all comfort. In Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, he uses this phrase and teaches that comfort is a gift to be actively shared with others. He writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble and with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. The fact that he is God of all comfort teaches that all comfort ultimately, ultimately comes from him and by the Spirit we can be filled with his comfort in order to comfort others. This idea has been a very prominent one for me. Some of you will know that I met my husband Luke while working with refugees on the Greek island of Lesbos. Over my two years on the island, I worked in several different capacities. I helped to house new arrivals in the camp. I ran emergency distributions for those who had just come off the boats, things like sleeping bags and toothbrushes. When I gave them out, people's clothes were still wet from the journey. For several months, I managed the clothing distribution and then the section in camp that housed vulnerable women. These were single women who were survivors of sexual assault or domestic violence, pregnant or suffering from physical or psychological disabilities. I saw the months and months of waiting that these people had to endure, waiting to hear if they would be granted asylum. Fearful of being deported, fearful of the camp and the violence inside. I was there when the camp burnt down and was rebuilt, twice. Daily, I questioned what it looked like for God, the God of all comfort, to comfort these people, and what it looked like for me to be a part of that. 
I started working at a community centre where people could come to relax and do various activities. We'd always start the day in prayer that people would know the comfort of God when they came in. Many scared and disoriented people came through the centre doors and we were able to share with all who asked that Jesus is the Good Shepherd, that he is the source of all comfort. I had the privilege of praying with several women that they would know the love and comfort of God for the first time. As Paul says here, we can comfort those in any trouble, even those in situations we cannot change. God is still faithful to gather his sheep to himself. And as God is one called alongside who walks with us, so are we to be ones called alongside others. This evening I'm sharing about an aspect of God's nature and that aspect is how God is merciful. Uh, the Bible is full of stories that depict that we serve a merciful God. And tonight I want to use the story of the disciple Peter that we read of in the New Testament because I believe that his story shows us that we serve a God that is revealed in Jesus that is so wonderfully merciful. But first, what is the definition of mercy? The Oxford Dictionary defines mercy as compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. That's a pretty good definition, and I can certainly see how God is merciful when we define it in this way. But I would suggest that biblical mercy goes even further than this. Compassion.com writes how God shows his mercy beyond forgiveness and withholding punishment. God shows his mercy for those who are suffering through healing, comfort, the alleviation of suffering, and caring about those in distress. God acts from compassion and acts with mercy. And this is how he calls us as believers to live, as we live as ambassadors of Christ. Tonight, as I share details of Peter's story, I encourage you to think about how we see the mercy of God in Jesus' actions. I'm sure most of you are quite familiar with Peter. We are introduced to Peter in the Gospel of Matthew in 4 verse 19, where Jesus calls Peter and his brother Andrew to become his disciples and follow him and he will make them fishers of people. Throughout the three years that Jesus is doing ministry, Peter and Jesus become very close. We see all these intimate scenarios with Jesus, where Peter is right there in the midst. In Mark 1 verse 20 to 31, we see how Jesus mercifully heals Peter's mother-in-law. In Matthew 14, to 33, we see how Peter literally walks on the water to meet Jesus. In Mark 7 verse 29, with conviction, Peter declares that Jesus is the Messiah that they've been waiting for. And finally, Peter, as part of the inner group, goes up with James and John on the high mountain and sees Jesus transfigured before them in his glory. And he hears the voice of God say, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. It would be pretty safe to assume 
that there'd be little room left for doubt in Peter's mind that Jesus is who he says he is. So much so that we read in John 13, after Jesus has predicted his death for us, how Peter states that he would lay down his life for Jesus. I imagine that in his mind, he believed without a doubt that he would, given all he had seen and how much he loved Jesus. I imagine to Jesus, this would be a beautiful profession of Peter's love for him. Unfortunately, Jesus is aware that regardless of Peter's convictions and declaration, that he would deny him publicly, not just once, but three times. The one that Peter confessed as his Messiah, the very Son of God, he denied. This is out of fear of his fellow man. He denies that he follows Jesus or even knows him. Jesus, in his hour of need, is deserted by the people whom he shared his very life with. I can imagine that Peter felt disgraceful and an utter shame. He had denied his saviour to protect himself. I imagine as he wallowed in his shame, he would have been so confused. How could I have denied him? Jesus told me that I would be the rock that he will build his church on. How could the disciples ever trust me now? I couldn't possibly lead them. They know that I denied him, just as Jesus said I would. Maybe I should give up. I'm not worthy of God's love and mercy. Jesus trusted me and I let him down. So often, when I don't live the way I feel Jesus calls me to live, I can also feel the shame. There have been times where I too feel like I have denied Jesus in front of my peers, be it my colleagues, fellow students, or in front of non-believing family members. Sometimes this denial is by my words, and other times it's by my actions, or lack of action. Then the lies slip in. I couldn't possibly be used by God. I couldn't possibly be forgiven. God knows that I'm not living as I should be living. God couldn't possibly be merciful to me. We see in Peter's story that he recluses, goes back to his everyday life before, and is fishing where Jesus had caught him three years earlier. Yet, this isn't the end of Peter's story. Jesus, in his great mercy and love, completely restores Peter. We read in John 21 how Jesus appears by the Sea of Galilee after his resurrection. Seeing Jesus, Peter is overcome by love, jumps out of the boat and swims as hard as he can to be with Jesus. Jesus knows Peter has denied him three times. Yet Jesus, in his great mercy, allows Peter to declare his love for him three times. Jesus again commissions Peter to shepherd his people and to see the church grow. It is God's mercy that allows Peter to go on to be one of the central figures of the early church, speaking boldly of the gospel. We see in Peter's story how merciful and loving our God is, that he forgives us and wants to work in and through our lives, even when we continually act against him. When we're feeling this way and shame that we're not living as we ought, the Bible gives us biblical truths that we can lean on, particularly as we pray to God. Psalm 145 verse 8 declares, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And Hebrews 4, 15 to 16 reminds us of Jesus, 
that for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Be encouraged, church. Not shame, nor the, uh, the lies of the enemy have the power to keep us from a relationship with our merciful God and living in a way that sees others come to know him. Thanks, guys. Good evening, everybody. It is so great to be able to share with you again tonight from my couch. I hope you guys are all doing really well. So, I like to spend time on my own. Like, I really enjoy it. Sitting alone in a still, quiet and tidy house with a coffee in hand and only the company of my own thoughts is maybe one of my most favorite things. I am one of those people who needs life to have plenty of moments like this. Moments that are calm and peaceful. Moments where I'm not expected to be anywhere or do anything other than to sit and be still. And these moments are really special and really vital for me because it's in this space where I feel the most connected to God and the most connected to his beautiful gift of peace. The reality, however, is that moments like this are pretty uncommon for me. My home is mostly full of noise, but a mess and the conflict of kids fighting over the same thing. I love my family, but there are definitely times where I wish I could have a few more moments like this. Moments that connect me to God and to his peace because I really enjoy them. And actually, I really need them. I have learned that when I go too long without getting these peace-filled moments with God, I quickly begin to feel like I'm running on empty. And suddenly, life can begin to feel a little overwhelming. The need for peace in our lives, I think, is something that we can all relate to. Those moments in your life that bring you peace and connection with God probably won't look like mine. So maybe for you, you feel at peace and connected with God when you're riding on your mountain bike in the hills. Or maybe you feel at peace when you're on a hike in Arthur's Pass. Maybe it's when you're walking along the beach and the salt air hits you in the face. And where you had been feeling anxious and tightly wound, suddenly now you feel like, ah, oh, you can breathe again. 
And in that moment, you feel God's presence around you and his beautiful gift of peace to you. God is a God of peace. And in 2 Thessalonians 3.16, it says, Let the God of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. Peace is who God is. It is part of his divine nature and his character. And as we see in this verse, peace is also what God gives to us. Peace is a gift from God. And God's desire for each of us is that we would all know his peace in our lives at all times and in every way. However, there are times where it actually feels like life is pulling us in the very opposite direction of peace. We have busy jobs that consume our time and our headspace, relationships with friends and with family that require a big chunk of our attention. We can have times where we may feel anxious about finances or about making big decisions for our future. Or a lockdown happens. Life is unpredictable. It gets full and it gets busy. And sometimes life can feel really demanding. We know that God never promised us a problem-free life. He never promised us a life without challenges. In fact, the Bible says that we are going to face different problems in our lives and that these problems, these challenges, actually help us to grow and that through them we become stronger and wiser and really importantly, more able to communicate the gospel of peace to others. Having peace in our lives doesn't mean that there is an absence of problems or things that challenge us. Having peace in our lives is about knowing and being connected to the God of peace, who is also the giver of peace. And when is this true? At all times and in all ways. True peace, which only comes from God, is never dependent on our circumstances. And that is what makes it such a remarkable gift. The peace of God is accessible to us all of the time. So in those moments, in those times where it feels like life is pulling us away from the peace that we need to get through, in those times when you can't jump on your mountain bike because you have another 10-hour day at work, or you can't go on that hike or to that beach because, well, Auntie Cindy says so. It's in these moments 
that we need to rely heavily on the peace of God that he and he alone can bring to revive our souls. When my own circumstances don't allow me the space to meet with God in the way that makes me feel the most connected to his peace, I have learned that I need to stop, even for a moment. In the middle of the busyness and the noise, I need to stop what I'm doing and connect with God and with his peace once again. Susanna Wesley was the mother of John and Charles Wesley, who were famous preachers of the 18th century. Susanna had something ridiculous like 18 kids. Crazy. As adults, her children recall finding their mother on numerous occasions throughout their childhood, sitting on a stool in the middle of the kitchen with her head in her hands and her apron thrown over the top of her head. Her children knew that when they found their mother like this, they were not to disturb her because she was connecting with her heavenly father. God is always ready to connect with us. He wants us to stop and to ask him for his peace once again and to receive it from him. Genuinely, for me, there have been so many times that I've asked God to come and meet me with his peace and I have immediately felt it. The peace of God is available to us. So let's prioritize those moments that help us to connect with his peace. So you go on that hike, walk along that beach, find that energizing friend to catch up with, and I'll sit here alone with my coffee. And if this week is looking like it's not going to allow you those moments of quiet or stillness, then remind yourself to practice asking God to meet you with his peace right there in the middle of your life while you drive to work in between clients at 2 a.m., or you're feeding your baby. Ask him for his peace and receive it from him. Allow him to fill you up and to strengthen you again. Let the God of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way this week. Kia to. Tirangi Marie, peace be with you. Kakite Anofano. See you later.
Well, thank you, Izzy, and thank you, Mr. Stu, and thank you, Georgia, for those great messages tonight. I know you guys put a lot of thought and a lot of effort into those, and you've done such a great job, Uh, so thanks for sharing with us. And as you've been sitting there listening in, uh, perhaps there's some things that have resonated with you uh, with these messages tonight as we've explored some of the different aspects of who God is. You know, maybe you... Uh, were challenged as I was when you heard Izzy's message about uh, how we can actually bring God's comfort to people even if we can't necessarily fix the situation that they're in. We can still bring uh, something of value to them in in God's comfort. Uh, Or maybe you were listening to uh, Stu's message and you were uh, just needing to know that God who shows us grace and mercy time and time again. Uh, Or maybe you're experiencing the busyness of life, as Georgia described, and and you need to and you long to find that peace of God uh, that transcends all of our circumstances. So whatever that looks like for you tonight, uh, whatever might have stood out for you, uh, I just invite you now to go ahead and open up your hands, close your eyes, just like you're receiving a gift, and I'd love to pray for you tonight. So Lord, I thank you for uh, for everyone who is listening in tonight. And Lord, I thank you for the wisdom and the words that have been brought by uh, these three wonderful members of our community tonight. And Lord, I pray that you would uh, cause their words to bear much fruit in our lives. Uh, Lord, I pray that they would be like seeds going into good soil. And Lord, where these messages have challenged us or where they have uh, drawn us or brought us to a place of attention to to an area that we need to bring to you uh, in our hearts, Lord, I pray that you would give us the grace to, uh, to surrender those areas. And Lord, I pray for even now, Holy Spirit, uh, a strengthening, uh, a release of your grace. And Lord, I pray that tonight that... Uh, in light of these messages. And as we go forth from tonight and into this week, I pray that we would know that you are the God who comforts us. You are the God who is merciful to us and you are the God who gives us amazing peace. And so, Lord, we pray that you'd seal these things up and uh, uh, stamp them on our hearts tonight. And Lord, we love you. And we thank you for the privilege of being a part of your family. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.